Yeah, one, two, three, four, five. <clears throat> Thank you for downloading. This is your Tech Life episode 322, recorded on Tuesday, the 22nd of March. And boy, has it been a big day. In fact, a big week in the world of technology. Uh, we won't hold back. Uh, in fact, it's all about the news this week here on Your Tech Life. Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Alrighty, thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology and Netgear's Arlo range of smart home security cameras. We are here once again, uh, we being me and you. When I, I, I write that sometimes online and I say it, and I mean that because I don't do this for me. I do this for us, you and me. And um, look, I'll be honest, I'm cracking open a Coke because I may need this to get through the next few hours. It's been a very long day. Um, we'll talk about that shortly because we have. Uh, I'm, I'm not opening the phones this week. I'm just going to churn through the news that is at hand and try and bring you all of that as best I can in a concise way because there is so much to take in. Um, we have Telstra. Where do I begin? We have Apple. Um, that's the reason for my early early rise this morning. We have PlayStation VR. We have reality TV. We have airline pilots. We have new TVs. We have a fun app. All these things I want to talk to you about. I want to tell you what I've seen and heard and learnt this week in technology, and hopefully you will then hear, see through your mind's eye, and learn yourself as well, which would be awesome. Uh, as I said, we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin and Netgear's Arlo. And as always, it is uh, greatly appreciated and encouraged if you uh, could take the time uh, in your in your day, a busy day, I'm sure that it is, uh, to perhaps find uh, a little iTunes uh, application on your desktop and uh, jump in there, search for Your Tech Life, because you're already subscribed. I know that. But uh, if you could search for Your Tech Life and then uh, maybe give us a little uh, little star rating, a little, uh, little love is what we need. Um, that rating, if you haven't heard it enough on another million podcasts, that rating helps other people um, learn that uh, it may or may not be a good show to listen to. It may or may not be something they would want to tune into. And uh, that's uh, that's the purpose of the rating system, if you like. And uh, I appreciate it when you uh, when you jump in there and give ratings. I'll always try and give a shout out when they when they are made. And I think there might be one or two this week. There are a couple. Um, Tell it like it is from Ben Lux One, the best tech podcast. As Trevor tells it like it is. If it's a gimmick, he'll say. If it is great, he'll say it. Five thumbs up as well as five stars. Thank you so much. Um, I might have read this one last week. I don't know. Great show. Five stars. Quick quiz. Uh, love the podcast, Your Tech Life. Appreciate the genuine enthusiasm. Trevor Long's an excellent host. Astute. Well, I've never been described as astute. Um, <laughs> and uh, super helpful, relevant when answering queries. Why? Because he listens and is more than knowledgeable. He just knows how to put responses in a logical and relevant manner. He articulates the consumer tech exactly as he sees it with an Aussie slant. Do yourself a favour. So that's greatly appreciated to those wonderful human beings that have rated and reviewed us there. And that will help others find me and join you here on the quest towards your tech life. Let's get techie and then let's get straight into the news. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say. Trevor Long's the 
I don't know where to start, but I've put these things in an order at which I think we should talk about them, <laughs> even though probably my favourite topic is last. Um, let's talk Telstra. Let's talk Telstra. So I'm in Melbourne last week, um, enjoying the hospitality of wonderful tech companies who invite me down um, to do things like that, which is a great uh, perk of the job. I make no bones about it, um, and we try and declare those things on the articles in which we write, and every now and then we update the uh, disclosures page on the website. Now, I had a pretty unique Thursday because we had planned to fly down at something like 7.30 in the morning and uh, see a presentation from Epson and then move to the track and get a tour of the Mercedes garage. Unfortunately, or fortunately for my, for me, uh, I had to be on the Today Show and I'll talk about that later on with PlayStation. So I couldn't get the early flight. I had to get a late flight. I ended up joining everyone down there quite late, but uh, did get to enjoy a few hours at the Grand Prix track watching the Mercedes team put together the the vehicle um, that was raced on the weekend and won on the weekend, um, but critically also um, see some Epson technology. Now, I say that not because I'm going to talk about it right here and now. I might talk about that next week, but it also then kind of went downhill because at about 5.36 o'clock, in fact, it was Rob, one of, uh, one of my most loyal um, listeners, um, sent me a tweet saying, uh, have you heard about any Telstra issues? Um, I was on my way, I think, to an event uh, with Aston Martin and Red Bull. They were announcing an innovation partnership, a very exciting thing for for them. And I started, you know, reading tweets, getting info while I was in the cab and, you know, getting it out, tweeting it and, and seeing what I could. And it became very clear that there was a, there was a problem. Um, uh, it had been so for an hour or so, and it did continue for some time as well. Into the evening, uh, investigating, reading about it and writing about it, um, and it was very clear this was a major problem. And remember, Telstra had a major outage only less than six weeks ago, which um, was caused by a, a kind of problem on the network, which was um, unfortunately rectified incorrectly by an engineer and, and brought more of the whole network down. My information on Thursday evening was that it was around half of the Telstra network. And that's that's a big deal. It's not the whole network, but it's still half. And um, and that, that warranted plenty of uh, attention from you know, Twitter, social media, and of course the news media. So, again, in the in the world that I live in, um, that quickly became a story, and and began discussing that with the people at the Today Show about whether or not that meant we needed to have a chat about it the next morning and and bring people up to speed. So we had arranged um, for me to head into the Channel Nine studios early on Friday morning and and do a live cross and talk to Pete and and Lisa about what had gone on. So. Went to bed. the The issue had been resolved. While there was some, you know, wash up to be done, it, it would it was put to bed. We, I was on my way to um, to Channel Nine in Melbourne um, when I um, rang Telstra and I said, "Listen, can I get can I get an update? Can I get some info here? Because you know I'm going to fly blind here otherwise, and I don't want to say the wrong thing. I, you know, I go I shoot from the hip pretty pretty often, um, but I like to have at least some backing to that whenever I can." Um, so they very quickly said, hey, I can't really talk, but Andy Penn is making an announcement, an, an apology or a, a, an announcement at 
6.30 at the Telstra headquarters. Um, Broke the channel line and, and I went there instead. I went straight to, to Telstra in Melbourne, their, their main head office in Melbourne, where CEO Andy Penn was going to address the media at 6.30 and I'd then just quickly do my live cross on the Today Show from there, much easier. So, and, and to put the, paint the picture, it's very early in the morning, there's no one around. Um, there was two, two camera crews there already and another two arrived. And, you know, these things are normally just kind of a camera crew rolling on a press conference and not really many journos. There was uh, a radio journo from 3RW, um, which is a, a part of the Macquarie Network that I work with. Um, there was someone from the ABC and someone from Channel 7 there, I think. And um, and I was standing there with, with the 9 crew. There was no 9 journo um, originally, but then they turned up. And Andy Penn comes up and he stands in front of the microphones and he says, right, um, you know, I want to sincerely apologize. And he says, all the right things, um, without question, you know, sincere, uh, heartfelt apology for the outage and uh, talks about there being an issue which, when they tried to rectify it, caused a bigger issue and brought half the network down, affecting 8 million customers. Um, that was that was good information to get because it verified what I knew earlier and um, and put it put it to bed. And he also announced at that point a, a data-free day on April the 3rd in the same way that they had a, a free data day on um on uh, February the 14th, I think it was. Yes, Valentine's Day. Free data day, not data free, because we're data free when the, when the service is out, as Stuart, Bo- Stuart Bocking said um, on TV this week. So that's all well and good, but the, we were about to wrap up, and I, I stopped and I said, uh, excuse me, you know, I don't, I don't really, I'm not a journal, I don't really ask questions, but I said, sorry, can you explain what the original outage was? And uh, he said, look, there was an issue with an undersea cable infrastructure, which uh, initially affected global roaming customers, um, and then in rectifying that, we we uh, we had an issue that that brought the rest of the network to to its grinding halt, or fifty percent of it anyway. So that to me was a really important piece of information because it gave us a cause, and it was a different cause to the last time, so not related. Um, and, and you know it was all over. But I got to say, over the weekend, the odd tweet here and there about performance on people's home broadband or the mobile network. Again, yesterday, Monday, a bit of that going around, and then. Last night on Monday, uh, seeing a lot of reports of slow speeds on Telstra Internet. So I got in touch with Telstra last night and we had a conversation about what was causing it. And it was still the wash up from last week, which became apparent to me what that was why they didn't offer the, the free data Sunday straight away because the network wasn't yet ready for it. This congestion or this problem with the overseas link was still in place. So they were working to fix that, and, and by fixing that, they needed to you know, bring things up and down. And I described this online, if you want to read more about it, at EFTM.com.au. I described it as a highway needing roadworks, and roadworks always causes traffic delays, and that traffic delays was causing speed issues for people at home, and it was going to happen again tonight, Tuesday night. That's fine. I kind of got the sense of that, and I, um, I wrote that up. Now, I'm sitting today... Um, Again, and I'll talk about my, my day today because it's quite long, but started with the Apple event, started with a few radio spots, and I went then to uh, an event with LG at Foxtel, and then I went to 2UE. I got to 2UE for my regular normal spot with Stuart Bocking at about 12.30, but I got there at like 11, 11.40. So I grabbed my laptop and I sat in the kitchen area, just tapping away, looking at emails and going through a bit of work, and I heard Stuart Bocking on the air say, we're having reports of... Telstra outages. Uh, we'll, we'll bring you more as we, we do. I searched Twitter. I could see a lot of complaints. I spoke to Telstra or text them and they text back saying they were looking into it. Twitter itself had um, had said the same thing. And um, it, it's, you know, it's an unbelievable uh, problem that, that started to occur and, and become quite, you know, quite obvious that uh, there was going to be a problem here. 
So I got on air and, and we talked about that. They they uh, were clear that there was a problem. Well, shortly after that, they then announced that um, the problem was solved. Um, then there was more complaints. And then they announced that the problem, there was well, the Twitter account I'm talking about, talks to be about, um, you know, a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of residual problems going on there as well. But i got to say, the problems still exist. I'm, I'm seeing people say only, only after business hours were they getting calls back. Clearly the network not performing perfectly. And this afternoon, um, the, the Telstra announcement was that it was only 3% of um, customers affected today. And um, the, uh, the issue was a card in a Victorian piece of infrastructure. And, um, you know, it was, you know, so, so goes life. Um, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, it, the problem here is to me that what we've essentially got is a February outage, last Thursday's outage and today's outage. And going by what they say were the problems with each of those, they were absolutely unrelated. That actually is worse than if they were all related and just taking too long to fit. So... Very worried about that. I I think that's the problem, and that's my concern for Telstra. Is what the heck's going on here? What is the systematic problem that is causing all of these issues across your network? Um, I was trying to talk to as many people as I could today about understanding mobile networks more because I don't really understand the behind the scenes. I understand that Vodafone and Optus have invested millions in billions even in their networks um, to bring them up to speed, um, to bring them up to reliability, and and you know, in my view, they both are quite reliable and, and Telstra was too um, it appears to me to be in my investigations an issue with the core Telstra network so this is this is kind of the behind the scenes core switching the core network that um, kind of logs people on and off the network and it may not have the capacity for the subscriber uh, database that they have in place there may be a conflict between the subscriber database and the capacity configured on the core and that's causing Intermittent problems, which then, when solving them, causes bigger problems, and that's the downhill spiral we're on. It's, it's not a great look. Um, so we really need to to look at how this is going to play out. I don't think this is over. Um, I, I worry for Telstra that they do not have this under control to a point where they can safely say that things are um, things are okay now for their customers. Um, and I worry that people were saying, three strikes and I'm out kind of thing, but they're not going to follow through with that. I don't want to break it to you, and there's no disrespect to the individual at Telstra, but Telstra need a message from their customers. Telstra need to know that people will switch carriers if they don't get their act together. Now, to that end, uh, it's very clear that the uh, the telcos are, are working on things right now. Um, Optus, for example, sent out a text earlier today asking their customers, some of them, I don't know how many, um, to rate the, their network um, over the last month. So they're clearly going to come out with a, a satisfaction score at some point. Uh, Vodafone this afternoon announced a free uh, month to anyone switching to the Vodafone network. That's on top of their 30-day um, network guarantee and their two months um, of free data for initial customers. So there is a lot of, lot of potential out there for you if you're a Telstra customer wanting to look around, and I think you need to. The Telstra network is the best in terms of uh, broad coverage. They, they absolutely have a fantastic regional network. Um, but in terms of highways and byways and metro cities, it's uh, it's pretty neck to neck with most of the networks. Um, the the Telstra customer who is disgruntled 
cannot ignore their own feelings here. They have to stand up and they have to, I guess, you know, at least talk to Telstra about their concerns. And if you're off a contract, switch. Because you know what? In a month, you can go back. In two months, you can go back. Just change. I say this all the time, and it frustrates me to heck that people uh, stick around with a carrier even when they don't have to. Um, it It's a real issue for um, for Telstra customers. It's a real issue for Telstra, and I do feel greatly for the individual's at every level of Telstra having to deal with this. You know, Andy Penn's probably under, under the pump, of course. The engineers at the coalface are under the pump. The media people that have to put messaging out, the social media team, who are doing a great job under under the circumstances. Um, it's not easy. None of this is easy for them. And uh, and we should always think about that in, in, in our consideration of the whole problem. So, um, tough times for Telstra. Really tough times for Telstra. Um, the big question is what um, what happens next and how they fix it because it doesn't look easy to me. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your tech, tech life, life with Trevor Long. So then on the complete opposite side of the fence, um, Apple this morning were the cause of me getting up at whatever ridiculous hour. Um, I, uh, oh, you know, and I bring this upon myself, of course. I agreed to chat with the Triple M grill team this morning about the Apple announcement but because I live a fair way from the city, I just I had to get up at two. Um, I think it was maybe two thirty. No, two thirty. Uh, have a shower and get in the car so that I could then be at Triple M to watch the Apple announcement and then be ready to go straight on air because I couldn't actually drive on air after the announcement. So it was an early start. But we watched the announcement and it was great to talk to the grill team and co afterwards. But um, how do I sum this up for you? Um, a lot of news coming out. Um, they had a lot of conversation about their their green credentials. Um, a lot of conversation about health and different things to be, and while they're all fantastic, they're not the uh, the top story for me. And and if you want to drill into them, there's a lot of re- a lot of reading you can do online. The one thing outside of product I will mention is their uh, Liam. They d- they've developed a robot that dismantles iPhones, so it actually pulls them apart, takes the components out, and separates them. So rather than just being all shredded or whatever normally happens, it's um it's very very. Uh, smart, intelligent robot that is dismantling the parts so that they can be reused or recycled. That's cool. That is very, very cool. But let's be honest, the big announcements were the products. So Apple Watch comes down in price to four twenty nine starting price. Uh, I think it's four ninety nine for the forty two mil. Um, the they've also added some Apple Watch bands. The um, the the Melanie's Loop is now available in black. They have some. Um, um, nylon kind of straps, very nice looking um, nylon straps. Um, they're, they're basically added accessories to, to the Apple iWatch, uh, Apple Watch, sorry, <laughs> product range. Uh, the iPad Pro uh, was announced. Now, there is already an iPad Pro, but there's now two iPad Pros, a, a 12.9 inch, which is the one announced at the end of last year, and a 9.7 inch. So these are both iPad Pros. They both carry that name. They're just different sizes. So what you're basically getting is all the features and and um, uh, I guess capabilities of the large iPad Pro um, crammed into the nine point seven inch iPad. Um, the iPad Pro at a nine point seven inch will still be available. Um, it uh, obviously sits alongside the twelve point nine inch. The not uh, the iPad Air two still available. The iPad Mini still available. So a lot of choice. Um, it's uh, 
a lot of choice for people in the iPad space. So the iPad will start at eight ninety nine for the iPad Pro nine point seven inch, um, up to about fifteen ninety nine with Wi Fi four G and two hundred and fifty six gig of space. And the twelve twelve point nine inch starts at twelve forty nine, up to two grand nearly. Um, so that's a pretty cool product. The Apple Pencil on an iPad uh, Pro is outstanding. It um, it's just uh, mind blowing. The, the the technology within the Apple Pencil will forever impress me, um, just because I don't understand it, and and it's just so good. Um, so I, I highly recommend that, especially to parents who are who've got kids that are trying to draw and write and do things like that. You can actually really get some benefit out of using the iPad Pro and the pencil if they if they want to go digital for that kind of things. Using your finger and using a stylus just isn't the same once you've used the Apple Pencil. Uh, as expected, um, the big announcement, though pl- not played up in that same manner, was the iPhone SE. So the iPhone SE is, for all intents and purposes, an iPhone 5S in new colors and new brains. <laughs> so it is the same size, the same shape. In fact, I'm pretty sure it'll fit all the same iPhone 5S cases. Um, and it's available in gold, rose gold, the the you know slate and the, and the white. Um, so on the outside, it looks very similar, but you'll be able to distinctly tell them apart because of the colors. But on the inside, it is an iPhone 6S almost in its entirety. Obviously, there's, there's not everything in there because it's not the same... Uh, device, but the brains, the brawn, the the smarts, the sensors, the camera, the processor, the graphics power, it's all as per or been upgraded like the iPhone 6S. So you have serious capabilities within a phone that is now four inches. So the four inch concept is, is an interesting one because a lot of people said to me, oh, they're going backwards. They're not going backwards. The iPhone 6S was still available up until today. They sold 30 million of those last year. People are still buying 4-inch screens. It's just that people on brand new plans and stuff aren't opting for the iPhone 5S. But they will now with the iPhone SE. And the SE starts at 679 in Australia. Now, I don't care what you say about currency rates and all that kind of stuff. That's cheap, okay? That's cheap. And on Australian standards, to get an iPhone with all that power and all that capability, 679 That's that's damn impressive. It really is. Um, so well worth checking out if you're in the market for a phone and you do like the smaller screen. That's what's happening now. You've basically got the choice. Four-inch screen on the iPhone SE, then a bigger screen on the 6, bigger screen on the 6 Plus, and they're all available to buy. So they're creating range in both size, performance, and price, and that's going to help them. That's a good thing for them. So um, I, I, to be honest, I'm going straight to the SE. I cannot wait because um, while I've enjoyed having the iPhone 6S Plus, it's uh, it's a big phone and I don't need the big phone. So, so yeah, I don't need it and um, I'll be very happy to be on the SE and I think there'll be millions of people in the same boat. And let's be clear, this attacks straight at Samsung. Samsung normally have the win over this, this half of the year in terms of releasing devices, whereas um, Apple get the second half. So now Apple's going to take a huge chunk, or whether it's a chunk out or just add to the volume in this quarter, it's not going to look as good for Samsung as it has in the past. And that's the challenge. It's all very interesting. All the details of the press event are up at eftm.com.au, and the pricing in Australia or New Zealand is also up at eftm.com.au. 
So we do it all thanks to the good people at Arlo. The Arlo Q has arrived. Keeping your family and home safe can be a challenge, but the Arlo Q is designed to be an easy-to-use security addition to any home with a bunch of features that will give you peace of mind. The Arlo Q lets you see and hear in perfect detail. It has brilliant 1080p HD with night vision, so you'll be able to see what's happening clearly, regardless of what time of day it is. It also features two-way audio control, so you can talk to anyone who's there from anywhere in the world. You don't have to be a security expert to install the Arlo Q in your home. All you need is an existing Wi-Fi network and the Arlo app. Arlo Q has free cloud recording, so you can store and review the last seven days of recordings for free, plus upgrade options. To learn more, go to arlo.com slash au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, this was a good one. I mentioned I was on the Today Show last Thursday. It was all about the PlayStation VR. Now, I raved about this product when I used it last year. And over the kind of week and a half, we were preparing for the segment uh, on the Today Show because these things don't just happen, I have to say. Um, they take a lot of coordination. If you've seen the segment, um, hopefully you can appreciate the, the amount of work that goes into preparing such a setup. Um, we had two two PlayStation VRs to play with. I got to play with it a few extra times. And it is, it's still mind-blowing to me. VR is, is great, but I don't like having a smartphone one inch from my face. And yeah, you can look around, but that's it. PlayStation VR adds two critical and unique elements. So it's well three. It has a great quality screen with a solid refresh rate, which doesn't give you headaches or make you nauseous. Uh, it also is a very good resolution uh, compared to even the Vive and the Oculus Rift. So that's a tick. The second thing is movement. Standing in front of your television, you may walk around. You can move a couple of steps to the left, a couple of steps to the right, a couple of steps forward, a couple of steps back within the virtual world. Okay. So that actually, so if you're in a shark cage, you can move from one side of the cage to the other is the example I would give you. So the shark's attacking, you can actually walk back and you see, you walk back in the virtual world. That, that's mind-blowing and it changes everything because even when you're sitting down in a game called London Heist, you lean outside of the car door or window and you are leaning, it knows you're moving. Whereas in a, in a Samsung Gear VR, it just knows you're looking left, looking right, looking up, looking down across all those axes. That, that's a huge change, and it really creates an immersive experience. And then thirdly, and probably most importantly, there's interactivity. Now, whether it's with the DualShock controller in some way or better off with the Move controllers, you can actually interact with the game. And again, the London Heist is a great example of that because you hold a gun in one hand and ammunition in the other, and you can look down and see them in your hand, move your hands around, and you actually see them moving in, real life, in, in the virtual life. It is... Pretty darn cool, I will be honest, and I cannot wait. But here's what's better. The, the Vive, HTC Vive, is something around the $1,500 mark landed in Australia. The Oculus Rift is well over $1,000. Plus, you've got to have a massive gaming PC to make those work. So what does the PlayStation do in terms of price? I They didn't tell me before it was announced, but they hinted that it was going to be the best on the market. And I said to them, if you bring it at $899, that's a great price. What do they announce? $550. Now, that's more expensive than a PlayStation. But all you need is a PlayStation to plug into it. So the total cost of ownership is around 1000 bucks. Now, you need a PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation camera. So if you don't have the camera, you'll need to spend 90 bucks on that. Move controllers can be anywhere from $8 secondhand at EB Games up to $20 or $30 or $40. But the overall investment is still remarkably low, considering 1 million homes already have a PlayStation 4, and they're the homes that will first adopt a thing like PlayStation VR. On price alone, this thing knocks it out of the park. Absolutely 
out of the park. And I cannot wait for people to get to use it because I've enjoyed both times using it. I had a, um, a conversation with Mark Pesci online, who's a, a kind of a futurist, a tech, very, very uh, smart tech guy. He, he had an involvement in virtual reality many, many, many years ago, decades ago. And he was doubting the, the, the brilliance of the PlayStation VR. And I just said, mate, I want you to want to see you use it. And then we'll talk. Because I think even he, with his experience, will be blown away by it. So, well worth checking out. All the details are at eftm.com.au. If you're into golf, check out the first of its kind GPS technology in Garmin's slimmest, lightest golf watch. The Approach S6 features swing metrics, swing tempo, tempo training and swing strength, plus a dedicated course view button with green view for manual pin positioning. The pinpointer blind shot assistance tells you where the pin is, even if you can't see it, and it has a touchscreen, high-resolution, glove-friendly face. Precise distances for more than 30,000 international courses with no subscriptions or fees. The Approach S6 slim, lightweight, feature-packed, high-resolution, touchscreen golf watch, first of its kind with those swing metrics, and it will help you with your golf game. Take my word for it. Uh, Approach S6 is the product. It's available now and has been for some time. It is a fantastic little beast. Check it out at garmin.com.au. I know it's a lot of me talking, but I just want to wrap up a couple of other things, and uh, and I appreciate your patience with me. Um, I, and the the other reason why I'm I'm pushing through tonight is because I I I need to go and uh, freshen up because I'm going to head into to Sky News, and if if time permits, given there are some uh, pretty tragic news events going on, um, uh, we will have a chat with Paul Murray about the. Uh, um, about the Telstra outages, but obviously news is news, and we we. But I'll be there anyway. We'll check it out. Um, hey, you! Uh, I talked about this some months ago when they announced. Uh, hey, you is a uh, reality TV streaming service. Uh, they sent me an iPad with the with the with the app preloaded, ready to go because it hadn't launched in Australia, so that I could have a play with it. Um, and I immediately gave it to my wife because I have no interest in watching Hey You. That's not a bad thing about the product. That's totally what they want. If you, male or female, are into keeping up with the Kardashians, millionaire, real estate matchmaker, whatever it's called, um, the Bev, real housewives of every possible county, then this is for you. My wife is into those things. Uh, loves the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Now, we've just downgraded our Foxtel package and eliminated all those channels. So she now no, no, now no longer has that. So I set her up with the iPad. And it wasn't great experience first up. We had glitchy kind of buffering and it was turned out to be my Wi-Fi network. I had a couple of really crappy old devices on one of the networks. So I, I moved those over and freed up the network a little bit better to, to have it capable for streaming. And uh, the quality has been great ever since. So my wife's now got the iPad sitting at her desk while she works watching The Real Housewives. So easy, so simple to set up. And plus, you've got AirPlay. Um, you can push it to the big screen via Apple TV and you've got Chromecast support so you can push it to the big screen via Chromecast. So it doesn't have to be restricted to your iPad. You can also watch it on your iPhone. The thing about it is it's a really niche product, which is great, but it also is over-serving that niche. You have all the episodes of hundreds of shows, thousands of episodes in total, Plus, you've got links to their social networks, so the stars of these shows you can actually interact with and, and find their social pages. And there's a whole bunch of links to episodic information, so news articles that are online. And all that kind of stuff is all listed within the app. It's actually bloody sensational. And here's the thing. It's $5.99 a month. I mean, that is blink-if-you-miss-it kind of money. You probably won't even notice it. Um, 
But if you're someone that doesn't have Foxtel and has heard about these shows, five ninety nine to check it out, great. If you're someone that does have these shows already and are wondering how else you could watch them, well, five ninety nine a month, well worth considering, right? Now, it's a 30-day free trial, just like there is with Netflix, Stan and Presto. But while Netflix, Stan and Presto compete with each other for audience, for, for customers, Hey You sits separate to that and is all there for you to subscribe to for this specific content. So it's actually quite bloody cool. <clears throat> so it's available now, launched today in Australia. It's called Hey You, H-A-Y-U. If you love your reality TV, get on board, download it, check it out at uh, HeyU, H-A-Y-U. Search for it in the App Store. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, this was a quirky one, but it is technology. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find an angle. Um, I was listening to Will Anderson and Osher Ginsberg talk on the Willosophy podcast this week. Now, warning, it's an unbelievably good episode. Very frank, very forthright, very open, very sweary. So not safe for the kiddies, okay? Um but unbelievably great to hear two people who are um, clearly mates and know each other reasonably well get to know each other better and talk about some of their most personal um, issues and concerns and, and life experiences. It's fantastic. But here's the funny thing. They're having this conversation and, and Will asked Osher, what's his favourite form of, of medium? What's his favourite job? And, and he said, look, anything live. I love live. I love live TV specifically. Um, and Will said there's an analogy he uses often about how he loves hosting, you know, uh, the Gruen or, or whether it's a live uh, TV show, but hosting is, is a great thing. He says he's like the pilot of a plane because a pilot can't take off until everyone's done their job. So the host has all that responsibility that everyone's done their work. So here we are to fly the plane. And they, they, they made the, the quip, the, the, the side comment that, you know, everything, once everything's done, the, they throw the keys to the plane to the pilot. And they said, D- do planes actually have keys? Well, I know a pilot, um, and uh, he's an A380 pilot, in fact. Uh, and it, and I, I reached out to him and said, look, help me out here. How does it work? Now, I was a little blown away, but also, I guess, encouraged by the conversation. It's, um, it's actually not that hard. Planes aren't locked. You could walk up to an A380 and open the door. Now, first and foremost, you need a set of stairs. So you need to drive a wheel, you know, a truck up to it and get up the stairs. Let's be clear. By this point, you're arrested. Because A380s aren't just parked in the middle of nowhere. They're at airports, and you can't get through airport security. So good luck doing just getting to getting through the airport onto the tarmac to try and steal a truck to get up to the door, first and foremost. But assuming all of that aside, let's assume you've come across a deserted airport, there's an A380 there, and it is incumbent upon you to move it for some reason. If you could get a ladder or a truck up to it, you could get up and open the door. Okay? It's unlocked. You just you put your hand through the through a kind of flap and you pull the pull the um the handle and up she goes and the door opens. Then you think the cabin door's locked. Because I'm a passenger on a plane, the cabin door's always locked. We've heard tragic stories about pilots leaving their co pilots to go to the bathroom and then locking the door behind them and the co pilot never being able to get back in. And goodness knows what happens to those people. Um so the cabin door's locked, right? Nope. It's open. Because the cabin door doesn't lock until the plane has power and the power is then isolating the door and unlocks the door. So we, we can get into the plane. Do you need a key? Nope. You press two buttons to fire up an auxiliary power unit. It's in the tail. It's a little jet engine in the tail. That creates hydraulics, which allows you to then turn on the engines. And if you had any idea what you were doing, you might be able to fly the thing away. 
In reality, though, a proper flight, it would take 15 minutes worth of um, uh, procedures to fire up. And that assumes that it's already been through the one and a bit hour process of uh, refueling and also the loading of the passengers, which could take up to an hour as well. But hey, it was a very cool thing to learn. Planes, certainly anything above a, a commercial um, a private jet or a, or a you know twin engine kind of thing, uh, planes don't have keys. Isn't that interesting? There you go. It's not quite press button start, but it's very, very close to it. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. I mentioned at CES the Hisense range of ULED TVs. Well, down in Melbourne on uh, Friday night, Daniel Ricciardo came to the Hisense uh, lounge at the Australian Grand Prix and uh, and spoke, not, not to announce the TVs, but to, just because to, Red Bull is sponsored by Hisense and he's a bloody great Australian ambassador for, for the sport and for Australia. Um, and they announced their their uh, their new products, the ULED products. Now, ULED is not OLED, but they are hoping to give you a picture quality that compares based on price. Because let's be honest, OLED is ridiculously expensive. So, I was blown away by the price. For a 50-inch ULED TV from Hisense. So this is a LED TV with some extra technology that they've put on board, plus quantum dot technology, which really enhances each pixel. $1,500, and cheaper than that when it gets to retail. A 55-inch ULED TV, $2,000. A 65-inch ULED TV, this is their premium product, $3,400. A 70-inch ULED, $4,000. And finally, a 75-inch ULED TV, $5,000 thousand dollars that's the price of the 55 inch oled that lg's selling so another 20 inches um flat uled now i make no bones about it oled is the best picture quality but these things look sensational and remember you've only got one tv at home okay it's only ever one tv at home you're five grand would you buy a 75 inch tv shimmy got the space you got five grand would you buy a 75 inch tv or would you buy a 55-inch OLED? It's a very interesting question. All the details of the Hisense products uh, and the pricing are at eftm.com.au. And I love this bit of news because I feel like we've been on the journey with the team from Hipster Whale. You might remember many, many episodes ago, we spoke to Andy and Matt from Hipster Whale. They uh, created a game called Crossy Road, which went nuts. Fantastic, fun, easy-to-use game, which is open and real in its in its business model. It's a free app to download. You can play every part of the game, but if you want to have some fun extra characters, you either earn them or you buy them. And I love that model because it doesn't trick you. Now, a, a very big announcement was made this week, and I think the context of this is critical. This is a small, regional Victorian group of guys, right, Melbourne and regional Victoria, who have created a game that's made millions of dollars, I've got no doubt. And they've now teamed up with Disney. Okay? Disney Crossy Road is coming. Now, this is going to have over 100 Disney and Pixar characters in the in the Crossy Road format. So can you imagine? My kids are going to go nuts. They're going to want to buy every character. Good luck to them, but I'll make them earn them. I'll buy a couple. I'll buy a Lightning McQueen, maybe. Um, you imagine the Disney character, the Pixar character, they're going to they're gonna have it there in their kind of 8-bit block format. It's going to look unbelievable. I can't 
I can't believe Disney have agreed to this because you're basically playing with the the characters. You you have to redesign the characters in this in this eight bit kind of block format. That's that's the biggest deal here at, uh, out of everything. Um, that is a really cool thing for an Aussie app developer. It's um it's a great Aussie app story, and uh, I wish them all the best with it. And you know what? I bloody hope they make millions because good on them. Um, it's sensational. Uh, so Disney Crossy Road will be out uh, soon. Hopefully I'll get a, get a hands-on and, and review it uh, before too long, and uh, it'll be great to see what they've come up with on Disney Crossy Road. All right, that's, I've got to be honest, that's as much as I can churn tonight. I appreciate your uh, patience with me. I appreciate listening to me bang on about all these things. I am very interested in your information, your knowledge, your insights on any of these issues, particularly the Telstra issue. If you know anyone that works at Telstra, I want to know more. I genuinely do, not because I want to rip them apart, but because I want to understand what's going on and, frankly, bring truth to the to the situation. Um, if, if you have an opinion on the Telstra outage or how you've been affected, I want to know. And critically, the question is this. People are complaining, is a free data day enough? Um, is that compensation? If you've been disadvantaged by this outage, what would you suggest? What would you want? What would make you happy? That's, that's, what's in, that's, that's what I want to know. Uh, if you've uh, got an interest in any of those other topics, whether it's the iPhone, uh, Crossy Road, or PlayStation VR, get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Send me an email if I can help you with your technology problems. I'd love to. Um, go on Twitter, at Trevor Long, and, of course, on Facebook, which is just trevorlong.com. We'll take you to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Trevor Long. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Let's do it again next week, eh? 